Okay, now we're started and this is the beginning of week seven. Week seven is going to be a very exciting week because we're going to be experiencing lots of different types of technology and I hope you can all hear me out there. I think we can. Okay. And uh, what we're, the way we're going to do it is we're going to start off with sharing what we came up with on the intersections activity that, that I left you with when, when we finished class last week. And then around 6.30, we're going to be connecting up with Kathy and Sandra using Skype. And we're going, they're going to be doing their presentations. I've received both of their PowerPoint presentations. So what will happen is that as they go through the presentation, or as they speak, I shall be advancing the PowerPoint. You know, this is the lowly, lowly job of the professor. Um, as they go through, this is going to be an interactive presentation. Once again, you, you will not see them, except they, there's a picture at the beginning of each of their, their presentations. So you can see what they look like. <coughs> and then you will not be um, wa watching them. This is not video. We're doing kind of low tech, because I just want to see what the capabilities are and, and how, well it, how well it works. Um, then what will happen is that as far as it being interactive, I will be passing around the microphone with the, um, with the transmitter. And so you can pass it back and forth. And, and, or what we might do, I think what worked the other time pretty well, was for us all to sit together close and then just pass it back and forth. Which would you rather do? Sit where you are or maybe close, go up here close and watch from there? Is it OK to, to sit where you are? Yeah, I think we can get closer okay. where we're sitting. Great. Okay. Yeah, you can just kind of bunch up. Get, get to be real chummy. There you go. That'll be easier. Yummy. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> he's a bud. <laughs> okay. So let, let's get started. Um, I have the intersections activity up here, and I'm going to make it a little bit bigger so maybe we, I can see it. Now I will be referring to it. Please get yours out. <clears throat> and what I want to do is I want us to take a look at the questions that they have there. I'm going to sit down because it would be a little easier all the way around, I think. Um, we'll take a look at the questions that they have there, and I want to see what kind of questions you came up with dealing with each of these types of intersections. If you'll remember that there were four methods, and then they identified, um, can, who can tell me what the four methods were? In fact, I'll, I'll start over here. There's four of them, and we'll start over here with Rob. What's one of the methods? Huh? Demographic. No, no fair looking. Callie. Student learning. Student learning. Perceptions. Perceptions. And what's the last one? No fair looking? Cheater. No, you don't look at the form. you got to show me how incredibly well studied you are in this. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, very good. You have those four. And then we're talking about the intersections of these to how they work. And so the first one they talked about, is there a relationship between attendance and standardized test results? They talked about number of days attended and state standardized test results for each student. What other questions did you come up with? Who wants to volunteer a question that you came up with there? Andy. I'll get the ball rolling. Is there a relationship between socioeconomic status and standardized results? Is there a relationship between socioeconomic status and standardized results? Okay. And what kind, I'm, I'm going to pass this around so we can talk into this since the other gang isn't picking this one up. Uh, I wasn't completely sure. So I just called it census data. Uh, uh, balanced against standardized test results. I couldn't think of where one gets socioeconomic status reports from. I thought free that. Ah. What? Free and reduced lunch, yeah. Okay. That, what does free and reduced lunch tell us? Who qualifies based upon socioeconomic status for the free and reduced lunch okay, services? So you, would, you would correlate what, what kind of what, what data would you be correlating? 
The free and reduced lunch and? Then the standardized test results. Got it. Okay. Who else came up with an intersection? For demographics and student, much pass it on down. Mine was kind of on the same as an example, but I tried to put a new twist to it. The relationship between attendance and your overall GPA, not just uh, your overall ability in school. Oh, okay. So, grade point average. How do you define ability in school? Well, grade, I mean, yeah, that's kind of hard to, to determine, but uh, it'd be definitely different than like a standardized test, though, your overall GPA, because that would take in worth ethic and, and responsibility and getting stuff done. And not just academic work, but other things like band and music and choir and all those things. It would be interesting to take a look at what kind of correlation there would be between the three of them, wouldn't it? Yep. That's why I'm one of mine further down the road. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't steal okay. my thunder. Okay, I won't do that. Okay, now down here it talks about demogra demographics by school processes. Now, this one says that partic well, why don't you read that one? Uh... Which one? The, the question? About demographics and by school processes. Uh, is participation in advanced placement programs respective of all students? Representative of all students, sorry. And then the, the data would be advanced placement enrollment by gender, ethnicity, and you indicators. Uh, we have gifted. Talented and gifted. I see. I'm just saying what it says here. Yep. Mine says gifted. Does yours say advanced placement? Advanced placement. Oh, okay. the, the question that was provided, not your. No, no, I have that. Maybe I have different. Oh. I got mine off the CD yeah. in the back. Advanced placements. Oh, placements. Okay. Maybe we have a different version of it. Yes. Anyway. Okay. You're wrong. <laughs> okay, and so you came up. Now, what was the one you came up with? Uh, I, now, why don't you give that to Callie? Callie will do demographics and school processes. Okay. Um, my question was, is there a relationship between the gender of students and the number of participants in after-school program. Okay, and what kind of data? And it would be like who attend, like the attendance of the after-school program, and then you desegregate that between the boys and girls who attend. Good. And look at that. Okay. And then why don't you give it? Can you go outside there and see if they have any rubber bands? We can get two rubber bands. I think that might. Okay. Is, is there any relationship between students' enrollment and school program? Okay. What type of, what, so what would the data be? Uh, the data, the kind of the data I'll take is data about students' interests uh, in that school in relation to the uh, school program. The data about the students' interest, how the students' interest because of the program promoted by the school. Now, how are you defining school programs? Uh, the school programs uh, will be founded by looking at the uh, the kind of schools promotion or or the students at the schools brochure or something like that to promote the school. So we can see oh, about you, you mean you mean pro oh, promotion? Yes. So there was advertising and things. Yes. 
Do you advertise schools in, in the school advertise? I, I would like to see about the, the interest of the students because of the school promotion. Oh, they're interested in there and how many people they're getting yes. based upon their promotion? Yes. Okay, um, yeah, that, that would be good. Now, school processes, yeah, that might fit. Okay, that could be good. That's great. Okay, let's go to the next one. We now talk about perceptions by demographics. And why don't you give us one, one for that, Andy? I have, how do minority students perceive college prep courses? And I would get that data from a questionnaire disaggregated by ethnicity. And then if there's an option, by those who are taking college prep courses or to get that information from a enrollment list. So there's a couple different ways, depending upon the questionnaire. Okay, good. And what we'll do is we'll go to the next one, perceptions by student learning. Give it to Callie. Um. And what you say, perceptions by student learning before each one of them, or your, read it ahead of time so they know what it is. Perceptions by student learning. Well done. <laughs> um, I have, does the environment affect students um, learning in their test results? Um, so the, uh, re the data that you'd get would be uh, test results and student survey about classroom environment. Okay, that'd be good. Okay, let's go to the next one. Perceptions by student processes. Perceptions by student processes. Um, I have, uh, do students enjoy school more, more likely to perform well on standardized tests? Now, is that a Hold on a second. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong one. Do students that enjoy school more likely to perform well, stay, um, perform well, and stay, oh, I can't understand my own writing here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll do my second one. Are students that have younger teachers more likely to perform well and stay out of trouble or behavior problems? So is a younger, younger teacher a school process? Well, kind of. Yeah, I guess it could be. I was trying to stretch it on these because, I mean, it feel, I felt like after I answered some of these, I was just repeating myself in different forms and different th So I try to put it a little bit differently. Good. So I try to think of something that, that's a little bit different when you talk about school. Yeah, next time I do this, I should probably say you can't use the same parameters twice. Ooh. That would be tough. <laughs> okay, why don't you pass it back to her, and she's going to do student learning by school processes. Okay, um, student learning by school processes. I had, do different programs help achieve similar student learning results? And you'd have student achievement test results and um, kind of in relation to how many kids are in the program. Now, what, what do you, how are you defining the program? What do you mean? Well, you said do different do different programs have effects on different on student results? Well, I guess if it's like I don't know, it depends on what type of programs are offered. I mean, if you have like one that's specifically for math or one that's sorry, one that's just specifically for math or language, or if there's one that kind of is just kind of like an overall, how would that? I don't know. Okay. Um, so a math program would be what? What do you mean? Are you, are you saying how they teach math in eighth grade? 
Yeah, well, like a certain like after school like program or something that uh, they have okay, to so help. It's an extracurricular yeah, activity. sorry, I guess I should add that. Yeah, an see, after see, school program. The only reason I'm bringing this up is I want to make sure that you know that you have to be very specific because just saying school programs isn't good enough. You have to be very specific because you have to say this specific program affects it in this specific way. Because gotcha. that's how we bring it down to the point so we can disaggregate it. Yes. Okay, good. very good. And let's go to the next one. Demographics by perceptions by student learning. I saw one here. How does socioeconomic status affect one's view of safety at school balanced against performance on standardized tests? <laughs> Basically, how does one's socioeconomic status relate to one's view of school, view of how safe their school environment is against uh, results on standardized tests. Okay. Where would they get that? Results from standardized tests, questionnaires uh, talking about with items alluding to perceptions of school safety and then also free and reduced lunch, balancing all these different things Very together. Very good. Okay. Why don't you pass it on to Yaomi? Perception by demographics, by school processes. How have the students' perception of the learning environment changed by school program? Where's the demographics come in? About uh, learning environment? No, but you need to have three things. You're looking at their, their perceptions, oh. and then you were talking about school processes. How have the students' perception uh, based on the ethnicity, uh, say about learning in environment, how, how have the students' perception from uh, many kind of ethnicity toward learning environment changed by school program. So how would you define school program? Uh, I would like to see the data about the, uh, like five years, at least five years uh, of the programs. What programs? Uh, program like uh, how to develop uh, curriculum or uh, design. Now, is that for the teachers or the students? For the teachers. But how does that affect the students? They affect the students, of course. Uh, if the curriculum is uh, designed uh, very well, I think it can affect the students because the students know about uh, where they want to go, their expectation or their needs. So, so what you're looking at Can is a workshop or a, uh, a program to make better teachers, how that affects students of different ethnicities and their perceptions of the school. Yes, learning. yes. Good, okay. Notice how specific we had to get? The specific. Do you, do you notice how specific I made it? 
I made it very specific. In other words, uh, you didn't just say school program. We had to identify okay. what okay. the uh, workshop or right. training is a, is a of the on, teacher. On creating curriculum. See, on how, well, how that affects students of different ethnicities' perception. Yes. Because maybe it had to do with um, curriculum that was, that was ethnically um, aware. Yes. Okay. Got it. Okay. Why don't you take it over to Rob? Otherwise, these two people in the middle would just get beaten to death. Okay. Perceptions by student learning by school processes. Uh, students that do accelerated reader, which is a reading tutorial on right. computer, do they perform better on state assessments and do they feel more comfortable taking these tests? The data I would use would be the number of students taking the accelerated reader, uh, the state assessment test, and then a, maybe like some type of student survey about after the test, how well you felt comfortable taking the test, did you feel prepared? You're saying the data would be the number of students, or the name of the student. So we could we could. It'd be the group of students. Yeah, we could we could cross reference that according to the the the, the scores of someone who's not taking accelerated reader. Okay, once again, specificity. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm hoping this is getting through to everyone. <laughs> okay, next one. Are we on demographics by student learning by school processes? Yes, that's right. Okay. Um, mine was, sorry, the wording is kind of funny, but according to the gender among students, uh, what differences um, in student learning results are based on what is being taught? What is, who is teaching the class? There you go, sorry. So it's according to the gender, are there differences between student learning results and who's teaching the class? Okay. okay. And so we might find a teacher who, d who does better with boys than girls. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so the data you'd get would be, um, it could be a student survey about their classroom teacher, and then you kind of desegregate that amongst the boys and the girls and what the boys said and what the girls said against that. Okay. Good. And finally, you get the granddaddy of them all. Well, here we go, folks. Buckle up. This one is student learning by demographics by perceptions by school processes. Is there a relationship between standardized test performance, ethnicity, view of the learning environment, and participation in sporting activities after school? The data? Here we go. Results on a questionnaire disaggregated by ethnicity and participation in after school sporting events that pertains to views of the learning environment with standardized test results. <laughs> <laughs> I hit them all. I hit them all. <laughs> I hit them all. I got them. Okay, yeah, what would that tell you? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. He was going to say it. Yeah. I was going to. Let's see here. Does participation in sports, does that affect how one views the learning environment? Does that affect how one performs on the, and does that, affect one's ethnicity? I don't think that's, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not very fair, but we... But it's being, it can, it can be disaggregated. Yes, so I'm kind of looking at how does participation in sports affect all of these different areas, so. Good. That sounds good. This is about the same thing. It's like, uh-oh, this is a train wreck. I applaud you all for, for putting that together because that in itself was a bit challenging at best. Okay, well, I think what we're going to do is I'm going to hook this up to my, my neck again. And then we are going to get ready to Skype our other classmates.
Now, Skype is a positive term, but it is now a, a verb, isn't that? We're, we're Skyping. Okay, kind of like Googling. Okay, now here we go. I'm going to move over into the Skype, and it looks like Sandra and um, Kathy are both sitting there ready to go. And so what I'm going to do, let's see, I have Sandra there. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to click on call. It's, it will be online. Oh. You, you, you. We're getting a bit of echo. Echo, echo. And Sandra, who just answered, correct? How did we do that before? Um, oh, there's a conference. How did I do that? I've got this one here. And I go up here and it says start a conference. Okay, you're there, Kathy. Presentation. And we're sitting here kind of spinning our wheels for a moment. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Skype just bailed out, bailed out, bailed out, bailed out, bailed out. No, it echoes already. But it's funny, 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 funny. <laughs> okay, we will re-Skype. <laughs> okay, we will try this again. Okay. I'm going to call Kathy first. Go to Sander then. Hello, Sandra. I'm sorry I lost you earlier. Okay. That's Kathy calling us. Okay, I'm gonna answer that one too. There we go. Hello, Kathy. Okay, I think we may be able to get this to work. Okay, hang on just a second. Okay, we're gonna add Sandra. Are you there, Sandra? Are you getting much uh, echo, 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 echo? No. A little bit. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Echo, echo, echo. So, <laughs> so I think we're all set. Um, <laughs> okay, Sandy O'Brien, we have your picture here and everything's all set. And I have your slides. Close up tight. Okay. You're going to be talking about cooking with data to reduce achievement gaps. And I have, I'm just going to hand the whole thing over to you. Do you have anything you want us to know before you get started? Why don't you, why don't you begin by introducing... Can you hear?
That'll be terrific. Be before we get take it away then. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, you just tell us what to do and assume that I'm doing it right. Okay, thanks. So that's another question too. 
how are we going to that gray area and say what the real picture is? Um, let's go to the next question, the next slide, please. That, this brings us to our first question. Which one slide? But the question basically says, do you feel that some achievement gaps are largely unavoidable consequences of differences in families? At this point, I realize that some people didn't get a chance to do the posting because the article got up there late, and, and so there were some people who didn't. So at this point, if there's some people appreciated if they did that now. Hey, Kelly, why don't you start? Okay, I'm just, just, just pick it up and talk to him. Okay. Tell, tell her who you are. Okay. Well, hi, I'm Callie. Okay, sorry. We're getting a lot of echo here. Um, I don't know. I've always think parents involved with students and things um, just because, as my understanding and so distracting, um, but just being in the classroom just very little, I. I see some parents who are not involved and some parents who are to uh, get parents more involved to kind of break that on how that would work. <laughs> but I don't know. Somebody else? No, she may respond to you. Oh, okay. You're going to see a little bit more of, and there are those examples of students who have no parental support who achieve great things. That is, you're probably right in that it, it's one of those things you want to see firsthand, and you probably learn more about it once you're there in that position. I could go ahead and jump in. This is Kathy. Kathy. Hi. Um, this is Kathy coming to you from Thanks for this assessment for us. And it's, this is a topic that I feel a little bit funny commenting on because I almost feel that he was a bad person. But just based on my daily experience, there are some kids out there that have many bad things going on at home and such terrible situations that there's going to be an achievement gap. There's going to be a guess calling that natural and normal. Even though we don't like it, they're there. And, and I don't think that Blubber... So making an assumption that everybody needs to be at a very high level. And where uh, there were a group of people who... who the, Another group came in and told them they didn't know until this other group came in and said, you don't know anything, you don't know what you're doing. And so I think maybe, and that's one of the things that with the achievement gap, is it okay to have a, a wide range of achievement? Someone else may feel perfectly comfortable at the bottom. Well, this, this is something that especially it seems like trying to prepare everybody to go right to four-year university. Well, if we do that, who's going to build the roads? Who's going to build the necessary? And some of them pay more than college graduates make. So I, I agree with what you're saying. I heard that said it, but it was a college president, and he said that our A students are the ones that come back and teach it. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty interesting comment. Also, Andy had a great comment about this question. I thought, talking. Andy, do you want to comment on that? Hello. Hello. <laughs> this is Andy. Uh, let's see. Subtle does assume when we begin asking some of these questions. Um, so, how can we fix the achievement gap? Is automatically conceding that 
and find a way to counteract. So how we ask our questions um, has a large impact on what our next, did that answer your question? <laughs> Kids come to class hungry. They come two hours of sleep because their parents are up partying when their individual needs aren't even being met. Um, food, shelter, loving. And so they come into my class in their mind when they're sitting there in clothes that haven't been washed for two weeks. And so I don't know how we compete with that. I don't know if we'll ever be able to compete with that. Yes, this is Yaume. Um, of uh, students' perception, demography, a student's learning style, report, and students' motivation can make uh, the gap, I think, uh, the gap. And it is very difficult for us to avoid it. There's a mic coming.
they know I'm going to look for them there. Because I, I've already had students who, when they, those students all over the place. And so I know that's, it's been made important to them to be there, whether it's just the people that they see. So I know that's a good question. Thank you. Anybody else want to comment on that information there? Certainly, the qualified teacher, the rigorous curriculum, the challenging courses, if there's a body that feels that education is important, and they're putting that point, not qualified to teach. I'm not going to put out a curriculum that's not worth a student learning. And I think that comes across. And that's because they have made it a point to be there and they're putting out that signal with everything they do. And I think that they and students. But I, but I think that was a, a very good list and I couldn't find anything that I would have added to that. The next slide is my next question that they talked about a school in Southern California who uh, placed math students. And I say the word place high school math students is that the school doesn't usually place them in math classes. The question basically is, they took this data that said that um, African math didn't always get into those higher math classes. And basically the school was accused of keeping, does the data tell the whole story? Should we be testing more? Should we be talking about more? Anyone who, didn't get up. Go ahead and start talking, Elmi. Uh, in my opinion. Can you hear him? I can. Uh, the minority students, some uh, suggest the students from Asian or from other country, get a lower levels language. Um, I have a experience about my kids, I have two kids to go. When they got the test uh, in English, it's, it invited me to go to the school and translate to them into my language. They, they could understand what our levels of the minority students, it is because of the language. The solution, uh, I think, teachers who can teach in English and in another language. That's my comment. Yeah, I mean, it's how far are we, how far do we go? If we provide the bilingual teachers in, say, language arts classes, and so born and raised here, but still lives in poverty and really didn't have a, a great preparation to get to this point. Um, for me, the involvement, the involvement of uh, parents should be considered also. So, attention to their kids to increase their score. So I think uh, the teacher and the parents should work. The, the parents should say to the teacher, 
so that the teacher can understand clearly. On the contrary, the teacher done on what or where they what they haven't done. So I think uh, working together between the parents and I think that getting the parents involved early and especially it avoids so many others that there's a problem early on. I think that's absolutely true. I'd like to wait make one comment about some of the different things I've been hearing so far is that it, it sort of answers the question already with a lot of the different anecdotes that you have secondary things such as language, parental involvement, all these side notes that we've been making, I think just proves the fact that the data in this case is not telling the whole story. I got to the done by the State of Iowa Department of Ed and uh, um, I've given it for several years and I've noticed that a lot of it focuses on drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and all those different things, but it also talked a little bit about your family life and if we could take that information, some uh, results. One question in particular was, do I live in a happy home? Um, do I have a parent who is at home when I get home from school? Things like that. And so I always just keep it in mind, those questions are only going to tell a fraction of the story. I mean, there, you couldn't, I mean, seriously, you cannot ask enough questions to get the picture of what's going on in everybody's home. You could have a survey the size of War and Peace, and you're still not going to get all of the information you can. But, but can it give you can it give you a start? I think it can I give mean, you a start. You yes. can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, if, if you have an opportunity to get data mm -hmm. and to try to at least try to get the lay of the land, also because it's self-reporting, the question is how truthful are they being? Yeah. But you find the ones that have the situations that are most likely to provide at-risk uh, learning. I mean, you, it's just basically triage, where you take a look at the ones that need it the most. And then you work on, 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 on out, out of that. At least I would think. I mean, support where they get they get their clothes washed daily or weekly, so that they can come in and, and have a um, have a, a, a quote normal. To math teacher, we as an eighth grade teacher, we encourage or discourage kids from taking ninth grade algebra or algebra two. And so I've been one of these teachers who have had to make a decision whether or not this kid really knows how to And so sometimes it's such a complex question that you could you can raise. Okay. And I agree with the comments about the work ethic. Really take that into you know account. If I have a student who maybe scores very high on probably not really ready to go on to the next highest level of math because at some point to do the best job you can, maybe you aren't willing to work any farther at all. The first school that I taught at was two of the kids went to college. If they went to college, they maybe went to one or two years at the local community college. Big farming can be those boys to go to college. They expected them to come back and work on the farm. They didn't take advanced maths and the industrial arts classes. And so to say that they're not getting what they need, you know, the achievement gap is there. Okay, um, any other comments? Oh, yeah, this is Kathy. I'd like to kick in a little bit. Um, in other places, but I suspect it's similar to my own school. We may give the test, we may interpret the data, but we don't But it's, well, all my friends are in the other class. I don't want to take my class. And that's not just the case of the student being in a tougher class. That's what they want to be just so they don't have to be away from their friends. So 
this could be, especially if we're dealing with some um, subgroups, be away from their friends and folks in their social groups. So that would be my thought, is that the data's not always enforced. Okay. The further surveying on why the students were in those um, math classes that they were in. Just from experience with high school, I just know very few students are putting classes. They're there, they're gonna go in and get their schedule changed. So I guess my first step thought was there was a lot of information we didn't have. If not, we'll go on to the words get in the way section. And um, this, we don't like to do statistics or why we don't like to gather data and put it into something. And most of the, once they collect it, what do they do with it? Even a lot of administrators don't know what to do with it. And so part of what on using the data for a reason, using it as an empowerment tool to do something <coughs> in our grant program that's one of the things that I've really learned from that about action research is that you have a problem that you want to solve. And so, you know, make up focus groups or do anything that um, you wouldn't normally do, you just do it. But they do talk about some terms that statisticians use and define those and make this article and when they went to start to cook something, they didn't understand what some of the cooking terms meant. And so they kind of thought that somehow those words mean. Then they talked about three different terms that um, you might run into at, in statistics, or if I pronounced that right. But that is just taking the data and slicing it up into pieces and down to parts of the information, like dividing it into subgroups. Um, they also talk about uh, longitudinal, but a word that the author made up, and basically that was just covering this data over a period of snapshots of data and comparing them over time to see if other things exist or longitudinal. And then last one is cross-tabulate. And this one was at, uh, maybe extension that we've already cut up and dividing in another way and looking for trends and, and things that pop out to you after that. So those were just kind of in the cross-tabulate. If you took a set of student groups like those and they continue with the math thing, like those taking algebra and those taking OCS or by even what course curriculum they took. Maybe if they took an honors curriculum or, you know, maybe that. Um, and so that was the article. Any questions for me? No, excellent job. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it's customary for us to take a break. Usually we take it closer to 7.30. But what do you think about 10 here? Is that, what, is that pretty much what other people have? Yeah. Okay, and so we, we start again at 7.20. Is that okay with you, Kathy? Uh, something the two of you might want to do is take a look in your mail because I sent you copies uh, or uh, uh, an attached file 
that has the midterm out, or at least bring them up so you can see them, then you'll be able to use them as we discuss after Kathy's presentation. Okay? I'm amazed at how well that, that picks up. Yeah, we don't have to hold it as close as we thought. <laughs> well, the problem is we're not getting very high, uh, very high. have to go in and increase the volume on it using some software. After is, the this is, is the feedback coming because you're recording? Yeah, well what happens is that I'm, I'm recording through here, it's hitting that, and then it comes back here again. And then it, it gets a little... Okay, what, I'm going to pause it. And we're back online. We're, yep, okay, we're back online, and we are now back. Hello everyone out there in TV land. Um, PowerPoint, this is Data Driven Decision Making by Kathy Goch. I know I'm not pronouncing it right. How do I pronounce it, Kathy? That's right. Data-driven decision making. Please proceed with slide number two. You know what? I just realized that you don't have each other's, do you? I'm gonna go get it. Okay. Ooh, but you know what? I didn't email it to you, so you might not have it. Um, Should I do that real quick? This is kind of cool, isn't it? <laughs> Yami was telling us about what they have as far as distance education in Indonesia. You want to tell, tell them about it? Okay. I'm just closing the door. Yeah. No. You, don't, you don't have to. Tell Kathy about it. Hi, Kathy. You about the distance educational system implemented in uh, some districts in my country. Uh, they implement distance education and they open the class uh, from district to district but they just district to teach face to face so the name is distance education the practice is teaching face to face distance education because they just take in teaching learning process they Implement face to face. So I thought, Dr. Zaitz, if I can access this. So what do you think, Kathy? Um. <laughs> what exactly we're offering to do? My audio on you is not as good as what it is on Dr. Zaitz. That's because I'm closer. Uh -huh. do you want you want me to give her a quick rundown on what that was? What they call distance education involves uh, every weekend they drive all the way over to another school and they teach there, <laughs> face to face. And that's called distance education. Of course, the only one it's distance education for is the person who does the driving. Right. <laughs> you got a laugh there. There's a Kathy, yeah. is Sandy yeah, back? Yeah, I just emailed that to Sandy. She should be able to get it, I think. Good. Why don't you tell us something about your background? Yeah, okay, go ahead and go to the second slide. I see, we're, we're there. All right, your presenter this evening, not the guy on the right, it's the one on the left. Um, I'm currently teaching Algebra 1 and Geometry at Central High School in DeWitt, Iowa, which is about one county north of me. We're in eastern Iowa. Graduated from St. Andrews. Um, a couple more courses to take in the spring, one in the summer, and of course my big project. Hopefully I'll be wrapping it up next summer or the next fall as well. An educational company in Pittsburgh, we still don't have anything back on that yet, but 
was hopeful in any case. Um, that's all I can really think of. Okay, well, thank you very much. We, we can go ahead now. Okay. All right, we'll go ahead to slide number three. Is an education writer and consultant. He's the editor of the Doyle Report, which is a weekly e-newsletter sent out to many thousands of people in the field of education. He's also one of the founders and is the chief <coughs> DH in their CACO. Um, I found that we have CEOs, CEDOs, CACOs, and CFOs. They're all and has been around a while. So what does CACO stand for? Chief Academic Officer. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Next slide, please. Okay, our topic this evening is data-driven decision-making, which we'll refer to as DDDM. Those of us in the math world can probably refer to it really. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, our question, one of the questions we want to address tonight is, is DDDM the flavor of the month in the world of academia? Or is it a legitimate tool that we can use for school improvement? Data, assessing the data and using the results to make decisions for improving student achievement. We'll go to the next slide, please. How is data-driven decision-making used? It can be used as an accountability tool, in which case it enables It can also be used as a diagnostic tool in that it helps our teachers tailor instruction more towards the student needs rather than just what's coming out of the text. Next slide. If data-driven decision-making is a good thing, why do some people resist it? For one, teachers dislike their collecting data in their own classes or perhaps a third party is coming in observing and recording the scores and they fear that it's going to turn up as negative feedback in an evaluation or perhaps used against them and they come back to haunt them. Data collection and analysis is viewed by many teachers as a meaningless task in an already too full work setting. We've got lessons to prepare, tests and quizzes to grade, grade books to fill out, and now they dump another job on it, and we don't know whether or not they're actually going to and again, the third point kind of ties into that. We assume that the data is never going to be used for anything. We're going to go through the motions, we're going to create a report, throw it in a file folder, throw it in a filing cabinet, and nobody's ever going to look at it again. Next slide. The author listed three essential strategic, relational database with the power to perform real queries. Now that's kind of a mouthful. What it basically boils down to is we need to have our data in some type of format and program that is functional, is usable, and allows us to go in and ask some questions based on state standards and curriculum. And we also need to provide community access to the data with regards to student privacy. Frequently, especially in the small school districts, a large project is undertaken, it might turn up in the local paper, and the community is made aware of it, but the parents would make an inquiry, they're told that they can't access the material. We need to allow the community to get at this somehow, at the same time keeping the students' privacy in high regard. Next slide. We're there. 
But, oh, what connects and processes in the classroom? It can increase efficiency in the classroom, hopefully reduce the amount of remediation we have to do because we know in advance where we expect the weaknesses in our classes. We have an idea what, I'm just thinking specifically in math, I might on because historically students have been weak in that area. And finally, it can increase public confidence in the schools. The, the voting public, the, the school board members, and gives them a feeling of not only are they involved in it, but they feel it's worthwhile, which as a result increases the public confidence and then hopefully they continue to vote in a pattern that makes our schools better and better. Next slide. Just a few final thoughts before we get into our questions. Felt left behind. And yesterday, or excuse me, Tuesday, we were involved in an ICN session. Dr. Gary Five from Iowa State University was involved in it. Dr. Zeitz, have you heard of him? What's his last name? Gary Five. No, I don't think so. Okay, he's in the education department there. And oh, 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 yeah, I know. Okay, yeah, I, I've heard of him. I'm sorry. Okay, his opinion, which I respect quite a bit, he said, even if there would be a total administration change in the next presidential election. This is not going to go away. It's going to be certainly with us until 2014 when the, it was, I think that was the end date that it was written for. So as a result, though, more than likely it's here to stay. It's not just the flavor of the month that we're going to have to work with it. Next slide, first question. Do you think data-driven management is the most valid practice that will be around for a while? Do you agree with the our discussion board? Unfortunately, trying to throw this together to review your responses here with the class tonight, that would be great. Well, this is Rob, and I think it's here to stay, and my reasoning for it behind it is by spending money on education. Uh, every business, whether it's uh, basically prove why after school programs or extra lunch programs or all. Okay. going to be around for a while. Um, if you look at, I mean, as teachers can do that by looking at where our students were and, and kind of look at the data. So that's my thought. Are you okay, Sandy? Yeah, I was hearing a lot of crash. I'll see if she's still connected. Can you hear me? Yes. We can hear you. Can you hear us? I can you hear me? Yeah. I think there's something wrong with my connection. Well, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Say something. Somebody talk here. Hi. Hi, Kathy. You, but I think you're getting, can you hear me connection late? We can hear you just fine. I can hear you. You can or no, you can't. <laughs> Sandy, you can just begin if you wish.
gonna hang around. I'll, I'll fill some time here with my rantings and blatherings, if that's okay. This is Andy, and I had posted something to the effect of that uh, DDDDDM. Uh, it's gonna be around for a while, simply because it's, <clears throat> it's just a very seductive idea. It's something that people can get their arms around fairly simply, whether you're part of the someone voting for a congressman representing this, or whether you're an administrator, or a teacher, or even a concerned citizen, it's just something that you can, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of time to think about <coughs> to go, oh, data, backing up actions, planning, strategies, these are all nice words, I'm all about it. So, I think it's Hello. gonna be Okay, we're, we're bringing you back into the conference. Good. That was really weird because yeah. I was saying it and then I heard myself like 20 or 30 seconds after I said it. Hmm. So I think my connection must have been slow or something. Okay. I was going to say about the data-driven management, if I remember my comment now, um, I think it, it's one of those things that's always going to be around. We're going to probably use it the data in a lot of different ways, but with our, our the strive to make a definition of what a good education is or what a good teacher is, I think that's where this data collection and data management is really going to come into importance, is finding out. <coughs> Hello? Okay, did, did we lose you? Yeah, I think when you, you had us on conference, so when you hung up work, you hung up eight. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, are, are you there now, Sandy? I think so. Can you hear me? Okay. Oh. okay. The problem is just the nut behind the keyboard. It has nothing to do with the technology. I'm just learning how to use it. Okay. Uh, Dr. Seitz, I apologize. Okay. Thank you. Oh, wait. Okay. Be, hang, hang on a second. Um, Sandy? Yes? Did you have any... Um, Additional resources you wanted to share? Uh, no. Okay. Okay, Kathy, why don't you continue? Okay, did anybody else want to jump in on this first question? I think Sandy was trying to, and then the connection went down. Can, can she? My comment about the education, uh, striving to define a good education. Mm -hmm. Yes. No. I really believe that the data driven management and the, the to use to define a good education and a good school. And so it's just on data collection is because we're striving to define a, what a good school is, what a yeah, collection data management is going to be around for a long time. Can okay. I, can I interject for a second? with the rest of us and I think it's just getting started and we'll be working with it for a long time. See, I don't think it's, it's not something necessarily that's just getting started. I mean, it's been around for a while with different names and um, I, I think it's it's a popular catchphrase right now with the, the concept that's going to be now it's been being mandated yeah and I think yeah, it'll I, be I, here I, for a while until down the road I don't know how many years but eventually we'll lose sight of the kid as the individual and the kid as a good well-being uh, rounded um, good kid that 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 statement that Sandy made about determining how good a school is or a teacher is by data there's things that I do in my classroom, and I'm sure you guys have science knowledge or math knowledge. The relationships I have with my kids, their comfort level in my class, 
um, those things. And I, I think that we're going to lose sight eventually down the road. But isn't that all, the whole idea about, about having, you know, those four different areas that you discuss, including perception and people, you know, how students feel about themselves. And, I mean, don't you think that that... Yeah, but I don't think it'll ever get to that point where we focus on those other ex those extra things out there. And what are those? Well, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm afraid of is, is that I'm going to be judged on how good a teacher I am solely by numbers on how well my kids perform on a test. That's if, that's if the assessment is limited to a standardized test. Well, at the moment, that's what we okay, are. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's at the moment. That hurts them to go the next step. I hope so. We're to ready for, for that other, next step. Well, we, we're looking for other indicators that will help be, help be used. Now, I know this is your presentation. I don't mean Sorry. to step on your toes. But I, I think it's important for us to, to look at what the opportunities are. Okay, I'm done, Kathy. Okay, I think I'm gonna go on to the next couple. Of, and our next question would be, what suggestions do you have for making data-driven decision-making a success? And how is it being used in your school right now? Anybody? Anybody? Right now, we collect data, um, not just from state assessments, but from uh, trimesters. Each trimester, I give an assessment, a district assessment, and I give the numbers, and that's all I get back. And I mean, that's all I do. I don't get any data back. They show me the numbers down the road, but they don't give me any type of aid to make changes in my classroom. They don't give me time to do professional development, do anything. So it's very, very mind-numbing. This is Sandy, and I'm thinking back to last year when I was teaching Iowa tests of educational development. It's the ITEDs we did in high school. But students did poorly on, our students did well on, and we would go through and we, where we didn't get that information across to them, and then it would stew it, but didn't follow through and say, well, maybe I need to focus more. The in-service day, and then left. Um, my school in Dequit, what we do is we take our standard our focus lessons on for the areas that we're going to concentrate on some little extra study sessions before the next round of tests. Um, other than that, I don't really see us doing a lot with the data past preparing for next year's tests. I think our school teaches in fear of the test. <laughs> nice comment, I enjoyed that. I like that one. Like mm -hmm. think that, else? Do you think if you had more time to develop that, you would be able to do, do it differently? That's my big thing, is they don't give me any time to do this. We're making that huge of a difference, really. Okay, if, if no one else has any comments on that, I have one little extra question here that I thought would be good to talk about, and that is, what other recently popular practices are being used in your school? Every one of us has been assigned to take one of the classes we teach and map it out month by month over the course of the year, and then supposedly each department's going to get together and see where we overlap, see if there's anything we're not covering, and making sure our courses align. And when they came out with this, and but it's our it's our flavor of the year, I guess. So, what's going on in your buildings? Please remember, we only have one teacher here. 
So, I mean, oh, really? Yeah, you, you two just increased our teacherdom up to 50%. Without you, it's talking about this. If, if you want to add additional information about what's happening in your buildings, like what curriculum mapping is and, and what the goals are, it'd be greatly appreciated. Okay. Um, I'm assuming that the goals of our curriculum mapping are going to be to ensure that all the subjects are being, or, or I should say, subsections of the different and also making sure there's no excessive overlapping. In other words, our two courses that run uh, one year after the other, are we taking a couple of ideas and just beating them to death while other things aren't being covered at all? So that's what we're looking for. And you made the comment that, isn't that what we're doing already? It, it just struck me. Are you doing it? Apparently not. Now, is it the formalization and the standardization and the labeling of the issue? Is what bringing this are you, are you not to bear as, I mean, or was it something that was just commonly assumed and was just done before? I mean, is it the fact that, that now we've labeled it, oh, now it's a problem because we've labeled it, like data-driven decision-making? Well, we've given it a label now. Now we can create programs and prescriptions based upon our label. Well, weren't teachers gathering data before? Weren't they making decisions? Were they just, I mean, they use it pejoratively, statements like flying by the seat of their pants and stuff, but when people say that who are in favor of data-driven decision-making, were teachers really making decisions from the seat of their pants? I mean, were they not taking into consideration student information, student uh, successes and performances? I mean. Is it just because you've put a label like curriculum mapping or data-driven decision-making to it? That that's the real problem is our labeling and need to formalize and standardize it all? I think you're probably right. I think before it was assumed that all the members of the particular departments communicated, especially before the school year and at the end of the school year, the case. And especially in our building, Three of the math teachers are one end of the building and I'm down at the other end of the building. And to be honest, I don't know much about what they do and they probably don't know very much about what I do. But I think the reason that we labeled it and picked up on it though is that with the NCLB mandates, we have to have some special project we're working on. <laughs> Two years ago, our big focus was school improvement and we had this three-year project we were working these fancy forms we were filling out and now all of a sudden we haven't heard anything about it in probably a year. And we've got all these folders and files of unfinished business left over from these other two years and now all of a sudden we're working on curriculum mapping instead, which is the same thing. We've got a real strict template we have to adhere to and um, everything that we document there has to be the critical. It, it's really something and I hate to feel that I keep getting the feeling that we're just doing it make it look like we're filling a requirement someplace. Hey Kathy, this is Rob. Have you guys started your uh, individual career development plan, the new evaluation format? We have, and see, I graduated in 01, so I was one of the first groups that had to build one during the oh. first two years of teaching. Uh -huh. So, you so I've already got them put together. That seems to me like that's our new curriculum mapping for now. It's because uh -huh. now that now it's just like, I mean, I picked out two science standards and I have to focus on them. 
But now I also have to collect the part. It makes me angry that now they're making me collect data, but I've had zero in services on how to analyze data, enter data, do any type of data you know, manipulation. Good thing you're taking this class. So I am taking this yeah. class, so I'm so far ahead of everybody. But we have some teachers there that, like my social studies teacher, uh, you're supposed to base it on your, your standards. There are no state standards for social studies. There are no state standards for anything. Yeah. There is a national standard for social studies. Or district standards, I mean, our district standards. Okay. But there is no district standards for social studies, and so I think that this is our new curriculum mapping. I did the curriculum mapping, and I did the exact same thing you did. I got it all lined up, I gave it to my principal, and I never saw it again. Can you get a district map? Exactly. Anybody else? I don't know. <laughs> it was a requirement. What's because that? the state didn't make them. Alaska? Can a, can a district not have? Content standards. I thought since Iowa was one of one or two, no one, one state one one. in the whole That's country it. who didn't have statewide standards, that it was then put upon the district to come up with different content standards. They're supposed to. Okay, so we would take the social studies part of the ITPS. We don't either. We don't either. Mm -hmm. I mean, how, what's that? What message is that sending to a social studies teacher? You don't have any standards. You don't take the test. You're just a nice elective class. That you well, what, I, would, I what, taught elementary during my student teaching. I think I hit social studies twice. I mean, I actually sat down and did one American Revolution lesson, and I did another. We used to do it every day. Well, with the focus now being on reading and mathematics, that it was I mean, imposed upon us that do this weekly reader, take this target teach test, do this, do that. Well, I know in schools that if, they, if they're going to take somebody out of class because they need to give them additional learning or something like that, They'll take them out of social studies. Yeah. Because it's not being tested. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I'm going to kick over to the last slide here. Just basically to wrap it up, I wanted to thank everybody for participating in class and online. I'm sorry about the confusion regarding the article. I had gone to a pay for usage format. Another site that I used to use all the time that's gone to pay usage is MathForum that came out of Drexel University. Does anybody know of any others that were real popular and good that we now have to pay to use? Well, they've done a lot of fun with the Eric system now with making everything focused on being research-based and they've dumped a lot of some of those more fun lesson plans having to pay for it now, but they've definitely taken a hatchet to it. Other than that, you guys have been great, and thank you, and good night. Resource you want to share with us? Um, with the short time that I had to get ready, I really wasn't able to come up with anything else. Okay. Okay, well, thank you very much, and now what we'll do is we'll go into um, reviewing our, for the midterm. Um, before we start... Steve, are you taping this? Yes, yes, I am. Oh, great. And okay, you have the printout as well. And I, I won't play into Skype. Is the, the midterm, so it's probably going to be really dull. Oh, okay. Well, the next week, then. Okay. This, we, was, this was a lot of fun. Okay, I'll see if we can get some technical stuff going on this. And um, and how about you, Kathy? Would you be interested in, in continuing? Is, if I use any PowerPoints, I'll have to get them up early? Oh, geez, this means okay. planning ahead. And... Um, I will I will review how we're going to have to put this together so that it'll, it'll better fit your needs. I will continue to uh, tape or record the classes throughout the semester. 
You see, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck a little bit because the whole idea is the university is supposed to be buying me an iPod so that we can do this recordings, but I still need to keep doing that so we can, we can po uh, podcast it. Um, Kathy, you said something about how you, you try to listen to it while you're doing your homework. Yeah. I must admit, I, I can never do that. I, I mean, do, do, listening to two, do, two, doing two different lines of things at the same time is, is difficult for me. Oh, yeah, no, I, I got no problem with Led Zeppelin. I mean, a whole lot of love just kind of takes me all the way through, you know. But as far as listening to someone intelligent such as myself speak and, and trying to do homework at the same time, well, what is going on here? I'm sorry, I'm getting carried away. Okay, let's, let's talk about the midterm. Before I pass it out here, and no fair giving them any answers, Kathy, what should I test you guys on? How cool we are. I think what I, what I want you to do is I want you to sit back and I want you to think for about two or three minutes, pull out a piece of paper, and think about the things that were important in this class. Or, or you, can, you can write it on a word processor if you want to do that, if you want. But I, I want you to sit down in about three minutes, We'll come back and we'll talk about the things that you think were important in this class that you think should be reviewed. The way I look at a midterm, I'm not trying to trick you guys or anything like that. What I think is that at this point in the semester, it's time to induce you to, no, that, that sounds like a birth, doesn't it? It's time to uh, motivate you. To <laughs> it's time to motivate you to sit down and kind of think about what's important and, and where things are. So I'd like you to come up with some ideas. And you can do that too, Kathy. Maybe okay. there's stuff that, that you don't see on that sheet that, that you think is important that we've covered. Good thing we're sophisticated and mature, right? Never. <laughs> oh, please, 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 please. Kathy, you teach ninth grade? Um, probably 
That's how it is over there, isn't it? Everybody's got their their finger in the pie. To be honest with you, move a couple states east or west. <laughs> it seems like most of this no child left behind stuff is political. Oh no, kidding! A little bit. A little we bit. aren't even going to get into politics. Oh, come on. <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs> so tell me, what do you think is important? I may, may be taking some notes here. What what was important to you this semester so far? That you think would be important enough to be reviewed and, and and for me to make sure that you need to know about access. Okay, access. Now, access is a very big topic. So let's talk specifically. Uh, table form query. Table form query. Yes. And what's the third, fourth thing? Report? Report. 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 Very good. Okay. <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be tough to get used to. <laughs> okay. So that. Okay. So those four parts. What else? I would think it would be important to demonstrate some level of competency with using forms, queries, reports, forms, and not so much uh, like a vocabulary recall, like what's the definition of form, or given A, B, C, D, which one is not. Like so, kind of like the concept reviews that you do at the end of the chapter. Nothing right? like those. Nothing like the. Yeah. Oh, jeez! I had three pages of those already <laughs> laid out. Those are horrible. Okay. So, but you're talking about an app actual application. So maybe like an independent challenge type of thing, where you sit down and you're given a task or something like that. To do to do with access. To do with it. To actually create something. Okay. What else? But on the other hand, I, I sometimes think that. Uh, like there's one, there's certain parts of our book that I don't think are, are really 
justified, like changing the color to red or something like that. There's some of these little particular items that I don't think that are going to really, really be completely practical when you're using this on your own. So if you're doing an application, well, I mean, maybe you want to have a red frame. Hey, well, no, I, I mean, like putting a little color <laughs> on one table. But on the other hand, uh, you know, I always encourage my students because there, there's more than one way to do something. Yeah. And you don't have to be so particular about the little things if you know the big things. But as far as creating something, the process. Exactly. Being able to use the process, come up with a usable product. Okay. What else? What do you think, Kelly? Um, stuff from the using data book, that first chapter that we just, or chapter stuff two. From, I, I, stuff from doesn't work very well, Kelly. Well, how, like, we just went through the four, like, perceptions, school processes. Okay, and what, what are those? <laughs> what? What are they? What are those? What are they? They're how you look at data. Yeah, but there's a noun there that you're missing. Okay. How about you, Kathy? What do you think? Those are called measures, by the way. I, t I tend to agree with the first discussion. I think at this point, what we've gone over with on access, showing what we know by creating something is probably going to be a better indicator than, you know, multiple choice, true, false, define this. You know, oh, I guarantee you, I never use multiple <laughs> choice and true, false. I guarantee you. That won't happen. Well, some people do. Well, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I sit around correcting papers and all that thinking, why don't I use bubble sheets? But it's because I don't agree with them very much. Of course, some people say, I have one friend who's very, very renowned who, who has like a, a hundred question bubble sheet multiple choice test. And he feels that he has honed that to such a point that it completely takes care of any kind of misconception and it just, you know, I'm going, yeah, right, okay. So, um, you're right, that won't happen. Well, but you're, you're talking about access and, and application stuff. Right. I mean, I throw some multiple choice in on my math test and, and to be honest with you, I think in math, multiple choice is the most unnatural format there is, but I have to throw them in because of the kids that are going to be taking ACT, SAT, and our, our ITEDS tests. But, but, but based upon the questions you put on there, I think that using multiple choice is almost inhumane in mathematics. Yeah. Because it really, really if you get the right answers on there, it really makes you sit there questioning, saying, oh, should I have added or subtracted that? It's bad. <laughs> okay, anything else? Well, what other things? Yummy. Um, if if uh, you don't mind, can I give... Uh, like suggestion or something like that, dealing with this test. Please so give us suggestions. What What do you think if we uh, do take home exam? I mean that uh, you can make uh, a difficult question, but uh, we can take it at home. Mm. So. Something connection with uh, database. I think uh, you can you can set up the questions mm -hmm. out of this book, for example, based on the real world situation, so that we can do that at home, including about the this article, for example. You can 
take from real world situation? Well, I um, unfortunately, th th thank you for your, your comment. Uh, that's good and a nice suggestion. This will not be a take take home test. What I will do is I will sit here as long as you need to sit. <laughs> and you know, if we need to, if you if you need to sit here till ten o'clock, which is when they throw us out, I, and if you want to actually show up earlier because you want more time, I'll show up earlier. But uh, you know. Uh, unfortunately, this, this, well, not unfortunately, this isn't going to be a take-home test, okay? But thank you very much for that, that idea. I have a question. How, how you, well, what, what's Rob finding? Or what are you looking for? Well, no, I'm just, just looking at my questions. <laughs> Your questions? Oh, the ones you oh, wrote the one, up? Yeah, I'm just, okay. I'm just highlighting okay. and thinking about. Yes. How would um, <clears throat> we take some of the stuff that we've been working on with the articles and integrate that into a... Uh, some of the articles. But I mean, it's more of a question. How would we take some of that? Well, how would you do that? I mean, can you think think about the things you've been reading about in the articles, and the questions that have been asked, and that sort of thing? Do, what are some of the things that stick out in your mind? You know, I, I'm sorry. she she was breathing, so I figured she was wanted to say something. <laughs> no, well, a lot of the articles have just talked about like what are the positives and you know good things and why we would use data and a lot of it has always been well it promotes communication among teachers and just different reasons that we can go into detail about why okay. we use data. So that's okay, one so thing that's reason out. reasons that you would use data and, and, and uh, analysis. Yes. Rob, why don't you tell us a couple of your questions? I just have uh, the positive and negatives of your and D D D M and then um, maybe the role it plays in education so far and maybe your opinion about it what how would you apply it? And then the underlying principle behind some of the articles we read, all the articles have come up with good or basic valid reasons of using it. So, okay. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you the, uh, the study sheet. And what this says, by the way, Kathy, have you found your proctor yet? person I thought I was going to use is not available that weekend. She suggested me having the um, conference center and the AEA proctory. There's a way that the room that I sit in for my classes, they can disconnect the internet from it. There's no access. Okay. That'd be um, good. You just pull out the, the wire in the back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easiest way, i got to tell you. That's what's going to happen in this room. But then I guess I'm wondering, is the only computer then that would be in that room would either be their console or my laptop? So what exactly would I take the test on? Um, I don't know. And I would imagine, this is an AEA? Well, they're full of laptops there. Aren't they? They've got a couple parts for them if they're not being used, though, by another class. They've got classes in the morning, afternoon, and evening. Well, maybe you could talk to them about it and see if that's a possibility. So, I mean, I guess my question is, I talked to somebody in the conference center, and they say, sure, they're going to do it. What happens? You email the test to them? Yes. And they set me up? Okay. Yes. So um, it just have them contact me, OK? Okay, does it have to be done on Thursday night? No. no. Okay. And I think, I think uh, Sandy wants to do it on Thursday day. I mean, as close as you can to that part, just so I know that these guys aren't sending you the, 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 the questions and stuff. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, and once again, um, let me let me begin by saying this, and that is that, and I've already I've already talked to Sandy and Kathy about this. Um, a couple years ago, I had this class, and I provided you know one of the things that you will be doing is you will be doing it as um, you guys pointed out, you will be creating a database for me. I'm going to give you a problem, and based upon that problem, you're going to go through the process of actually creating a database that will have queries, you know, all those things that you've already done, okay? So you will do that. You will also, um, or what, what happened a couple years ago was, you know, when, when you do that, you have to do it on a computer. And so I thought it would be really cool to, to do it so that, you know, you can answer everything on the computer. And I had done that for a couple years and it worked pretty well. But uh, I guess it was last year. Last year I did this and someone snuck in a zip drive that had a bunch of answers on it because I went over the, the, the questions again like this. They snuck in a zip drive with, the, with the, a bunch of information on it and I have to tell you that this person did quite a bit better than I thought that they were going to do and someone told me later on that this had happened. And actually a few of them told me later on that when they got done they almost went out onto the web to check their answers. And I have full trust in all of them. I know, I, I really want you to know, I have full trust in all of you, but sent me, what, what I had to do in that class, I mean, it, it tore my heart, because I had one student who got 100%, she studied and studied, I had to throw out the midterm, because I could, I mean, this person, the person who told me about the other person, I had no proof that that had happened, and the other person wasn't going to, um, they weren't going to back it up if I mentioned it to the person who did it. I had to throw out the midterm, and they had to do a final, and I don't want to see that happen again. Because if you work that hard, you shouldn't have that happen. So, what I'm going to do is, and I, from, for the rest of my life, this is going to be my policy when you take a, a, a test on a, on a computer. And that is it will be disconnected from, from the internet, and you will leave everything down, and I will be sitting in a position, like I'm going to be sitting behind you guys, not in front of you, so I can watch the things that are happening. And the whole reason that I'm doing that is so that if there's any doubt, I can say that I was watching it, you know, and that that you guys are in the clear. Does that sound fair? Okay. I mean, I think it's just real important that, that we do that. So, and then, then what will happen is at the end, then what will happen is that you're going to, we'll plug you back in and then you can print it out. And what you're going to do is you're going to give me the printed copy plus the database. And then I'll, I'll, I'll be reviewing that database. Um, what's going to happen is that you're going to create that database, as I said. It's going to be a flat database, not a relational database, because we haven't gotten that far into relational databases. So that's a big sigh of relief, I'm sure. And then what I'm going to do is present you with a collection of possible questions, and then you're going to answer four of them. Each of the questions will be worth 15 points. And the database and answering the questions that go with the database will be worth 40 points. So it'll be a 100-point quiz. Or midterm. Any questions on that part? Yes, sir. Um, is database tests uh, including unit A, unit E? No. No, it's just flat. We're just talking flat database. Okay? And by the way, unit E, which was due today, but I didn't get it up in time, and so uh, I've extended it so you can bring that in. You, you know, it will be due next Thursday, and there's going to, as it says on the instructions, that there is one database that you're going to be creating in one of your challenges, and you want to take that and put it into the um, 
Dropbox that I created for it. Okay? Okay, so here are the things we're going to go through. Now, now, what I have here are study questions for you to use to go through and, uh, and identify ideas. Um, I will be you. I, I will be using things similar to this. It says right here that there, these are not necessarily the questions that will be used, but rather the topics that should be reviewed while studying for the final exam. Now, I may be putting parts of this in. I may not, but I think this will give you a good background. Okay. First of all, what is a database? Anybody have any idea? Ooh, this is bad. <laughs> Who wants to define a database? A tool we use to organize information. A tool that we use to organize information. Okay. Anybody else have anything to add today? Okay, I'll, I'll just punt here. Okay, Kathy. Um, a collection of data organized in a logical manner according to subgroups, also organized in a manner that it can be interpreted via any number of queries or reports or reorganization. That sounds good, too. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily going to go through and give you guys all the answers, so you write them all down. I'm just, we're just going to do some discussion on this because I think that's the process. Okay, otherwise, it, I, I, I've done it where you do the reviews and you're just writing all this stuff down. Oh, I hope I remember all this stuff. That isn't the process. The process is to review the things you already know and then perhaps find places where it needs a little bit of work. Yeah, the, the database is really all about, it, it is a, a centralized, you know, on its basic role, it's a centralized spot where you keep, keep data, right? And then you can access it, and it's organized, you can uh, use it, manipulate it, do a whole lot of things. Now, what I just gave you was not the God's given definition, but that's you, you need to be conversant when somebody asks you what is a database, especially after you've taken seven or eight weeks of this class. You need to be conversant about what a database is. Andy, you look pensive, and you almost look like you're going to ask a question. Okay, forget no, it. No, I'm fine. Thank you. Maybe you're just inhaling like she was. Yes. <laughs> inhaling around here is going to be a problem, right? Okay, difference between a flat database and a relational database. Who knows what that is? Callie, what do you think it is? Well, relational deals with several different like databases that kind of. It's one database. It's one database. Well, okay, it has different tables. Ah, good. You're using the right. See, it's important to use the right terminology, right? There's different tables that relate to each other, and uh -huh. then therefore you can easily get to each of the tables. Okay, and what's a flat database? Huh? There's no relation. Okay. Make sure it's loud and that you're using full sentences because we have someone way, way off in Iowa who's listening to you too. Okay. Okay, now what about the relationship? This, this one's for yummy. How about the relationships between tables, queries, forms, and reports? Do you have any ideas about that? Uh, tables is... Uh, the tool for collecting raw data, uh -huh. and the uh, query is the tool to find out the information to, to answer the question. Okay. Where you you're looking for quite you're answering questions. And from is uh, 
to manage the information. Okay, what do you mean by manage? To analyze and to... Is the form actually going to analyze? Uh, I mean that uh, the information can be analyzed and, and then manage or form. The no. Anybody, what does the form do? What do you think, Rob? Uh, I think it's a way to, to simply enter information into your database in a nice, organized manner. Or display it. Or display it. Right. It's, it's, a way, it's an organization of, of fields in, a, in an organized manner using CARP. Yeah, and so it, it, so it, you know, it makes sense. And the CARP is, is something we talk about in some of your other classes. I'm just joking with that one, actually. It, mean, it means with a good visual design. The idea of consistency, or you know, con contrast, alignment, repetition, and proximity. It has nothing to do with this class, but I, I'm, I forget I said that. I don't want to mess anybody up. Yes. Do you call them fields? In no. forms, you call them bound objects. Isn't that correct? Well, they're, they're that, that are bound to fields in a table that is what the form is displaying. Right. They're called bound. Right. Okay. And then we talk about reports. What's a report, Yami? report to answer all of the previous questions. What does that and, mean? And we uh, report all of the questions that, that has been asked before. But when we talk about, but what is a report? Yeah, report is the tool for Reporting previous information. Okay, you can't use the word reporting in the word report because I don't know what report means. Like um, to, to collect the previous information to be answered. Okay. Kathy, can you help them out a little bit on that? Um, a report. Be a document that you use to communicate any manipulations you may have done with the data out of the tables and any results you might have generated with the queries you conducted. I think I think the important key. I mean, you you were talking about a lot a lot why you how you decide what goes into a report. You know, I mean, and the real key had to do with the document. Now the doc it could it could be electronic, it could be on paper, but it's the organized presentation of this material. You know, and, and based upon certain things. Okay. Life is good. Life is good. Um, mine was good. Huh? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was bouncing off of that one. You, you did bring up some very good points, the idea of the document and that sort of thing. And I think, okay. yeah. But remember, it has to do with it. It's a presentation of information in, in an organized manner um, based upon the formats that, that you, you feel are necessary for, for communicating the information. Okay. Um, now, please note, this says provide an example throughout your explanation. What do you think that means? Anyone? I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> She's sitting there going. Okay, it, what it means is that you use the same example throughout all four pieces, you know, and instead of saying, well, a table does this. 
you, you, I want the real important thing I want to see is I want you to see that you can apply it. You're talking about application. When you're explaining something to me, use think about ideas, think about examples, think about the um, the media loft. That's in your book, right? And that has the whole process. I mean, you, you can use these ideas. Explain why a relational database is sometimes necessary and how the tables within a relational database are connected. Provide an example in your explanation. Anybody know how to answer that one? Or maybe that's one you need to research. Okay. Uh, problem solving. Explain how. Explain the process. Cross out how. Explain the process you would use when using a database to solve a problem. Anybody know where we've talked about that? The personal database, right? And the hurricane. And the hurricane incident too. I mean, there's a process that we've been talking about. How would you identify the fields and the format that you need? You look at the questions that you're trying to answer would be one way, or just the questions. Mm -hmm. Anything else? And then also any types of information that would go well in there. Even things that might not answer your questions at this particular moment, but fields that you think are uh, relate to one another and could have a possible answer some other time. Okay. And how would you identify the report forms that you need? Reflect back to your original questions. You look at your original questions? And try to answer those questions with the report. Okay, and, and how it needs to be handed out. When you hand out those, those reports, you're going to be given the teachers. You know, what order do you want them in? Uh, do they need to be in alphabetical order? Should they be in telephone order? Whatever. Okay, any questions for those? That's kind of like what Yami was talking about with, uh, with the report description. With right, the and that, and that, the that's exactly what you were saying. The okay. idea of you look at the questions, and based upon the questions, how you identify what you're going to put in the report. But then the question is, if we say, what is a report, then you need to have a definition for that report, okay? Okay, data-driven decision-making. Describe the multiple measures of data and the levels of analysis that can be made. Anybody know where they can find that information? The other book. You got it, chapter two. Describe three stages of maturity while learning to best link data to improving student achievement. Ooh, I'm sorry. I left out another. Three stages of maturity that schools experience. Boy, I really left out some words there. While learning to best link data to improving student achievement. Anybody know where that came from? Callie's article. Well, those first two articles. The first. Well, for part one, part two. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. mining. Mining data, right? Mining okay, data. and it was and it was part part one. One had had stages one and two, and part two had stage three. Okay, and it says, please explain these stages and describe in detail what it might look like as a school progresses through these stages. So you pick X Y Z school and talk about X Y Z school as they go through, right? Um, it has been said that the school culture in which the data inquiry takes place is the most important effect element 
of an effective data-driven program. What does this mean and how does it affect teachers, students, and administration? Provide an example of a, cult, a, student, a school culture where data-driven decision-making might be successful. And the interesting thing is that you guys are going to find that certain ones of these are looking familiar, aren't they? Because in some cases they're questions or parts of questions that you used when you put them up online. So I think that idea of using the article question, information from the article, is really good. Who came up with I'm that glad, one? I'm glad we gave it to you. Who, did you give that one to me? Who gave that one no, to me? No, that was me. You gave that one to me. Okay, oh no, that's a great I'm idea. I'm taking full credit. Take full credit. <laughs> this horrible thing that we walked into. Oh okay. Now then we talk about when discussing professional development being linked to student outcomes, it's important to understand the instruments from which the data is derived. Identify an informa and information source that could be used to extract data for professional development purposes. How would you use this data to identify the need and then evaluate your effectiveness? Provide an example, preferably from the reading, that exemplifies such a system. Any questions on that one? Okay, when, when organized data collection reveals that there has been an apparent disconnect between two or more sources about what is actually happening in your school, describe the techniques you would use to assess the validity of the collected data. Use at least one case study to support your statement. Okay? That one look familiar? Okay, Dr. Nancy Love listed a number of elements, uh, actually cross number six out. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. Cross number six out. Oh, I, I think that, wait a minute. That, or that one was in the cooking, right? The perception, Nancy Love. Yeah, I think number six. Is that supposed to be my article? Yeah, actually, that, that, that was the article that didn't make it. Okay. So cross out number six. Number seven would be number six. And just cross out number six. And number seven, doc, Dr. Gerald described the importance of understanding the vocabulary of data analysis. He used the terms disaggregate, longitudinate, we know that that's not a word, but when you have letters after your name, you can make them up. <laughs> and cross-tabulate. Define these terms and correlate them with the levels of analysis that Dr. Bernhardt discussed. Explain how these would be used in educational data analysis by providing detailed examples. Well, it's not really that hard if you think about it. Doesn't she talk about disaggregate? Right? She talks about disaggregate, and doesn't she talk about longitudinate? Yeah. And cross-tabulate? It's all in there, folks. And what I'm saying is I better step back here because I was putting this over the microphone and it was feeding on itself. <laughs> okay, um, what, what we're saying here basically is we're just trying to, to relate the things that you're reading to one another. So we see the connection there. Okay, any questions? Now, I'm guessing that if you study for an hour, it's not going to be enough. Okay, you might want to study for more than that. 
And we, <laughs> no, I've actually had people come in and tell me, well, I studied for an hour. What else do you want? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and for God's sakes, I'm telling you the kinds of things that are going to be on this, right? So this is this is this will help you out. It's kind of like a mini comps test, com comprehensive exam. No, it's not that bad. <laughs> and the nice thing is, I'm going to give you opportunity to select the ones you want, you know, out of the ones that are given. Any questions? Any questions? Uh, this okay. might this might be a bad topic, but uh, are we allowed to use help on our access? I don't think so. Okay. Why? Do you need help on your access? No, it's not that. It's just, you know, some of us become dependent on this little flip-out menu in our book. What flip-out menu? <laughs> in the back help. of your book, there's a help. And, it, and it's, not, it's not so much as telling us how to use access. It's just little helpful hints where to find things. I mean, this is kind of a vast program. Yeah, mine doesn't have that. I would, I, would, I would love to make copies for everybody. It should be part of your book. I would. It's a, I mean... My rationale behind it is, I mean, if I'm going to use Access in the future, I'm always going to be doing it by myself and in the basement trying to do it by myself. And well, but you know, think about it. He's talking about well, think about this. Think about this. A couple weeks ago, I said, let's make a database. And you didn't use your back, you used the book or anything like that. And you had a database put together that was pretty well, good. And it was like in 10 minutes. Right? Yeah, but the, the thing about that I'm a little concerned about is just that when you sit down and do your database during class, it's just, I sit and fiddle with things, and I don't want to have to sit there and fiddle with four hours trying to figure out how to do something that might be just something minor. I don't know. Well, I mean, here's, here's the way. I, I, I think try. <laughs> I, I don't think, I think the answer is no. Okay. I mean, I may, I may discuss this with, with colleagues, and they'll convince me there's a reason it should be yes, but I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> okay, right. and, I, and if indeed, like I said, I will discuss this with others. If indeed I do feel that that's something that you could do, um, I'll contact you. And if you don't have one, uh, then I'll we'll make copies, whatever it takes. But okay, it's worth a try. It's well worth a try. Remember what I'm going to do is that I'm going. I mean, just the same way you did your personal database. I am going to ask you a question. And I'll come up, I'll say that there's a certain situation that needs to be handled. Like what we did with the, the Katrina situation, right? We got a situation that needs to be handled. And based upon that, what you need to do is create a database. You need to identify the fields that you're going to need. You're going to have to create a database. And I'll actually ask you to put data into this database, and you can make up the data. You know, like if, if say I was telling you that you, I wanted you to manage a football team, and it has 15 people on the team, and it should probably be 22 at least, right? Maybe <laughs> maybe 25, but I, I wouldn't want you to have to come up with 25 people. Maybe it's a soccer team. Okay, it's a soccer. Well, anyway. But what we have is, let's say it's a football team, and I'm saying what I want you to do is I want you to manage the team, and I want you to um, use it for managing their uniform as well as their uh, contact information. And then I'm going to say create a report that would be effective for contacting 
players in, in case of a uh, your, your game gets rained out. You see what I'm saying? <coughs> so it's not going to be that complicated. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I would suggest that one way to study this is over the next week, you know, try to make up maybe that football, you know, or try, try come up with a couple questions and try making a database based on upon those questions. Or have your, you know, wife, husband, significant other, someone like that, come up with one for you. Okay? Any questions? Okay? Everybody look, I, the thing I hate about midterm <laughs> review is by the end of it, everybody looks so chagrined. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I really wanted to have a weekend! But I think that most of you have, I mean all of you have done a great job of doing the work that you're doing and you've been very effective in what you're doing so a lot of it will just be reviewed. So you know what, I'm so nice, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop class ten minutes early. Ten bells early. Ten bells early, okay. So with that, we'll say goodnight to Kathy. Good night Kathy. And do you have any questions? Okay, all I've got to do is contact the AEA, get whatever their email address is there, provide you with that email address, and you will email it to them, right? Right. And talk to okay. them about the about the logistics of it is to, and you you now understand what's going to be required. Okay. And then what they, the, what they will do is they will, um, at, at the end of this, you know, do it during the day sometime or something. At, at the end of, of taking it, and three three hours, maybe you'll get it done faster. And if you need it longer, that's okay, too. You might want to start at 8 o'clock instead of 9 o'clock, so you can go into lunch if you want, or so you, you don't get into your lunch time. Um, and then what they will do is they'll email me. You don't have to print it out. Just they will take it and email it to me. Okay. Okay. And I would prefer that you didn't use your own computer. Simply, I once, teach once all day, so I'm going to have to do this in the evening. I'm thinking Wednesday night right now. Okay. The only, only concern I have is I know it would be no good to try to do it in my school district because none of them have access. And, and the challenge is going to be finding a computer that has access on it. Okay. We'll see what you I've can find. Of, I've seen a lot of these computers. They'll have Word, PowerPoint, and Excel, and that's it. Uh-huh. So Well see what what you can find and then get back to me if it didn't work. Okay. Okay. Okay? All right. Bye. Bye. Good night.